our other posse, Dave, who um, we've brought along with us. Um, who is just a guy who's um, been part of our church for a number of years and has just been faithfully just serving, plodding on, just doing a good job. But it just feels like at the moment God's hands on him and uh, just... Yeah, you know, I'm very excited. So we just thought we'll bring him along. Um, I don't know if he's often prophesied and prayed for people, but we're going to get him to do some of that today, hopefully. But um, yeah, it's just really good to have you here as well. So, and it's brilliant to be here. It's just lovely to be in a church where I walk in and straight away feel at home and feel um, just surrounded by friends. Really, you know, um, Trevor and Wendy I've known for a lot of years. Bernice I've known for. Benice I've known for a long time and Tim Plagerson, little Timmy Plagerson um, and back in 1989 when Tim was six um, I ate my meals while I was doing a year team in Bedford with him and his family for uh, for a whole year I have so many funny stories to tell you I could rip up my preach and just get going But, um, but so it's amazing, I've been to four or five different churches in the last few weeks, um, sort of doing the grand tour, and just walk in here and feel straight away at home. So it's wonderful to be here. So thank you for that. Um, I'd been thinking about this for a while. I'd come up with a really good theologically sound preach to do, uh, which I figured you really probably need, because Rob's <laughs> your main preacher here. And so I thought I'd do something really theological. And then two days ago, um, I felt God speaking about something completely different, so I kind of ripped up what I'd prepared. Well, actually, I'm saving it for Church Central next week. But, uh, and um, I'm uh, wanting to just share something that isn't as polished, maybe, as uh, I'd normally do, so please forgive me for that. But uh, I feel like God's spoken to me, you know, just something I want to share about, uh, share with you. And... Um, yeah, just feel like maybe God's wanting to speak to you as a church through this. And forgive me if it's not so polished, but I really hope that what God wants to say comes across in it. And really, what I want to talk about is how when we're going through life generally, we hit some hard patches and sometimes the going is tough. And when we're building churches, when we're planting churches especially, we can meet some really, really rough times. We can have setbacks, we can have people let us down, we can have disappointments, we can pray for things that don't happen, we can feel like we're heading one way and God's spoken and then all of a sudden it feels like everything's gone the other way. And we can hit new stuff, we can come into new buildings and it all feels different and there's new challenges ahead of us. And when we're in times like that, um, it's very, very important that we have a really firm handhold. And um, I really just want to talk about a few of the handholds that God gives us. I don't know if anyone here has done any rock climbing. I've been a very low-level amateur rock climber who's got myself into silly difficulties from time to time. But, but when you're moving, uh, what they say is you need a really good handhold. You need three bits of your body well anchored to the rock and then you move the other bit so you've got two good footholds and a good handhold then you can reach for the next one then you move another bit of your body and then another bit but but the handholds and the footholds are really important and spiritually speaking I think we need good handholds and footholds to help us go through hard times or whatever life's throwing at us and um, through the bible there are a number of places that these handholds come from Um, in the old testament um, there are there were lots of things called Ebenezer's, which means I think um, 
um, God remembers or, or, you know, things to remind us. So when the Israelites went through the River Jordan, Joshua's leading them through into the Promised Land. He says, the, the Jordan's going to part, and I want one person from each tribe to pick up a rock from the bottom of the riverbed, and I want you to set it up as a, a an Ebenezer, a reminder of what God's done. So then, as generations went by, and little children are walking along a hundred years later, and they say, what's that pile of stones, Dad? You can say, well, that is where God amazingly opened this river and brought us through and, and, and did an amazing thing. And then, um, you know, uh, Jacob will have a dream and, you know, see this amazing stairway leading up to heaven and he gets the, you know, slab of rock that he was sleeping on. He sets it up and that's a reminder. So when they're walking through the land, they can say, this is where God spoke to me and I remember it. And, and Israel, the, the, the land was full of these Ebenezers, these reminders of things that God had done. And we need Ebenezers in our lives. We, we need to be able to look back at what God has done for us, and that's one of our footholds. So for me, recently, you know, we've been praying for some money recently as a family, and um, God's amazingly answered prayers. But in amongst it, we've also had some setbacks, some stupid idiot in my family drove too fast past a speeding camera the other day. So in amongst praying for money, all of a sudden we get this £80 fine through the door. Um, and my heart sinks. Uh, I'm not saying who it was. <laughs> um, but all of a sudden, in it, um, you know, we, we, my car breaks down. You know, we, we get these bills that we're not expecting. All of a sudden, the, you know, the, the sums aren't adding up. And... Louise tells me off for it, but what I do is sit down with Louise and say, well, remember, God provided for us then, and God did this for us then, and remember when we didn't have money then, then this happened, and God provided then, and God did this, and I remind myself verbally, out loud, normally talking to Louise, who's heard it lots of times before, of times when God has been faithful, and that's an an Ebenezer, that's a rock hold, uh, you know, a handhold for me, when everything else is crumbling, I can hold on to something solid of God. He's never let me down before, so this next challenge I can push on through because God's faithful. He's been faithful every other time. And um, Obviously, a cross is a, the great Ebenezer. We can look to the cross and think, well, Jesus has done it. Jesus has wiped my sin away. He's made a way for me to, to know God, be reconciled to my Father. And that's an Ebenezer we, we need to keep on coming back to as a, a handhold as we're going through hard times. And then through history, um, the church has had another great handhold, which is Jesus is coming again. And so going through times of persecution, hard times, the church has held on to this promise. We're, we're going through it at the moment. Things are horrible. We're, we're struggling. You know, the, the storm's against us. But one day, my Jesus will come again and he'll claim his bride and he'll make everything new and he'll wipe every tear from our eyes. And going through hard times, times of loss, times of grief, times of um, just opposition, through the ages, this promise of the second coming has been a, a, a rock hold, a, a you know, solid handhold for the church. So we need these solid holds as we're moving on. And um, what I want to talk today about, actually, is two different things that I, can, I think can be like handholds or footholds for you 
and and for me, as we're moving on, as we're going through hard times, and especially as we're in a church, our church is probably a similar size to this, and you've been plugging away 14 years, sometimes it's hard, sometimes you hit setbacks, sometimes it's not going like you hoped it would. And this is a uh, these two things that I want to talk about are real footholds and handholds that can be a real encouragement as we build um, God's church. Okay, and the first thing is, I think as we're going through life, we need to be living with the big picture of what God's doing. It's really important for us that we live our, our Christian lives, not just surrounded by what's going on around us, but with an eye on what God's doing universally. And it's so important. If you read through the um, the preaches through the book of Acts, they're full of this big picture. They tell the story of God and what God's doing and what he's, what he's doing all around the, the earth, what he's going to do, the fact that he's got a plan and it, it's being outworked. Okay, if you're in a battle, I've never been in a battle, but I guess you're fighting things that are right around you and you're surrounded and all you can see is one person in front of you. And it's so helpful to be able to step back and see the big picture and see, actually, we're winning the battle. You know, it's really hard where you are, but there's a much bigger battle going on. And it's really, really important that we have this big picture and know that it's not just us versus what's in front of us, but but we're we're about something massive. We're we're about God's plans around the earth, and it's such an important foothold for us to know. You know, sometimes I know how hard it is when Rob or someone does another shout out for Alpha, you know, it's the next Alpha, and you think, oh, I've got to go and talk to my friends again, and they're not that interested, and I'm going to go back, and I'm scared, and they'll probably hate me for it, but I'll try anyway. And we can have these little, you know, personal little battles, you know, um, oh, you know, we need more money as a church. Oh, I can't afford it, but I know God's speaking. What will I do? These little scale battles, we need to, also see the big scale, the, the, the fact that God's plan is being unfolded. And, and however small the bit we're putting into it is, actually, we're about God's big plans. And that's an important thing to hold on to. So, so when Paul goes to church in Colossae, and he wants to write something to encourage them, what he says is, all around the world... Um, all over the world, this gospel's bearing fruit and growing. You know, I want to encourage you. You're going through it. You're, you're fighting small scale. You're going through your battles in Colossae, but actually, all around the world, God's doing something wonderful. God's doing something amazing. And sometimes things go well for us, and that's great. But lots of times, it's a slog, and we need to see this big picture. You know, and and, and you know, be aware of what God's doing all over the world. It's not just our little thing. It's not just a battle for somewhere to meet for Jubilee Church Solihull. No, God's doing a big thing. And actually, this is part of it. For us up in Hansworth, um, you know, we have our, our battles. You know, think, think sometimes it's great. We've loved it. But sometimes it's hard. And... Um, one of the things that I try and keep on doing is remembering what's God called me to. Well, God's called me to build a genuinely multicultural church full of all the nations that are around us. And 
through doing that, you know, we want to learn all the lessons that we can in how to do that. We want to learn by our mistakes and we've made lots of mistakes. We want to learn all that we can in order that we can reproduce it, in order that we, we've got some skills that we can then put into other um, multicultural places around the, the country. We can help and support other church plants. We can, we can at some point send people to plant into other multicultural places. We can reach some other cultures. And then as, as they grow, as they get established, um, actually they're going to be meeting people from around the, the world who are coming to Britain, that, you know, traveling in and out of Britain. And actually it's the case that people often move from countries that we consider close to the gospel, come to the UK. If they can hear the gospel here, then often they'll travel back and they'll take the gospel with them to close countries. And as that happens, the, that will help the gospel go to the ends of the earth. And as that happens, Jesus will come again. And I need to know this big picture, as well as just having the small everyday, oh, that went bad today type thing. I need to link in what I'm doing to this big picture all around the world. God's at work. God's got an ultimate plan for the world. And Jubilee Church Solihull, you've got a part in this massive plan of God. It's not just the local church. Okay. There are local churches, but that's not, I think, God's main focus. What, what he sees is his bride around the world being prepared. And what you do here matters. What you do here has, is linked into what God's doing around the world. Okay. Um, Solihull, um, we think it's part of Birmingham, I know you don't, but people who are um, movers and groovers in Birmingham, like Tim, um, <laughs> um, will move to Solihull um, because it's a nice place to live. Um, and so you've got, you're surrounded by people of influence here, more, pro- perhaps more than we are in Handsworth. Okay? What you do here can have an effect on the West Midlands. What you do here, what you, what happens in the West Midlands can spread over further. God's got plans and God wonderfully links in small things to his big plan. Okay. He always does that. Okay. And I just think it's so important that, you know, this isn't about a hundred people in Solihull. No, this is about God's universal plan for the redemption of mankind so that his son comes back to reclaim his, his bride. Okay, this is part of what God's doing internationally, cosmically. Okay, and so the first thing I felt I wanted to say is just that, that, that this is linked to God's big picture. All over the world, God's gospel is bearing fruit, and this is part of it. Okay, and I think that's really important. The second thing I want to say, and the main thing really I want to focus on is kind of the flip side of that, which is, as well as seeing things in the big scale, God loves to use small-scale things for his plans. And there's nothing too small for God to use. And God loves to use small things for his glory. Okay, It's, it's often the way he works. Okay, And it's what I love is the fact that it's still possible for a small church to change a city. It's still possible for one person to change a nation. God's designed things that way. Okay, It's possible for a small person to make a massive difference, way out of proportion to our size and abilities and skills and talent. Okay, God can use small things for his purposes. 
And mainly what I want to do really for the rest of today is just tell some stories about that. Okay. And just feel like, uh, as I felt God speaking, I just got a load of stories come to my head. So I just want to try and share these and stir some faith. But, but we're involved in a big thing, but God uses very small things for his plans. Okay. Um, I don't know if anyone knows the story of the first missionaries going to Korea in the 1860s. Um, don't know, not too many know. So there's a guy called Robert Germain Thomas, who's a Welshman, who went to Korea with his wife Caroline. And um, I think there'd been one or two people who'd gone, set foot in Korea before as missionaries had a look around, but nothing really had happened. And, 18, and it's one of the most closed countries in the world, and this guy, Robert Thomas, decided he'd go there. So he set off with his wife. They landed in China. They thought, we'll learn Chinese um, on the way, and then we'll go on and we'll go into Korea. So he stopped in China for four months, and his wife got a fever and died. And so he decided, we'll, we'll carry on anyway. I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to get these 500 Bibles, and I'm going to go to Korea. He managed to find a ship that would take him there, and they set off to Korea, and um, arrived, and they, they sort of toing and froing. The ship was sort of in and out and waiting there. And the Korean people watching got suspicious, didn't like what was going on. There was a bit of a disagreement. And so the Koreans sent out a fire ship towards this sailing ship, set fire to the ship that Robert Thomas was on. Um, the whole thing went up in smoke. Um, some of the sailors died. He, his clothes caught fire. He grabbed a handful of Bibles, all the Bibles that he could carry, and he dived into the sea and started swimming to shore. As he arrived, he was giving out these Bibles to um, the Koreans on the shore, and they beat him to death. Okay, So humanly speaking, it was a disaster. Before he'd even just about set foot on dry land, he'd been killed. Okay. Worse than that, the um, person in charge, the king, had said, I don't want any of that stuff here. Gather up every single Bible and destroy them all. And that's what happened. They got every single Bible that he took there and they ripped them up and it was destroyed. Okay. Um, so he died trying to hand a Bible to one of the people beating him to death. He died. The Bibles got ripped up and that was the end of the story. Apart from... Um, in Korea, walls of houses were made of paper. So people gathered up the fragments of Bible that had been ripped up and used them to, to um, make paper walls for their houses. And over the years, people came and read the walls of the houses and came to faith. So around about 1900, when people, the next batch of missionaries came, about 40 years later, they arrived and they found there was a church in Korea because of these fragments of paper on the walls of the houses in, um, near Pyongyang. Okay, um, now Korea is one of the most Christian, South Korea is one of the most Christian nations on earth. Okay, started because of fragments of Bible that were ripped up. Humanly speaking, it's an absolute disaster story. But God can even use little bits of paper, little bits of Bible to build his church. God can use very, very small things to build amazing things. God loves to use small things to build amazing things. In fact, God finds it easier, my Bible says, to use the small, inconsequential, insignificant, not famous, not noble, not clever things 
to, he, he like, I think he prefers to use things like that because then people know it's his glory. More glory goes to him through that. God, God likes using small things for his glory. In um, the late 1980s, like I mentioned, um, I moved to Bedford and Tim's family looked after me for a year. And I worked for a few years in a project in Bedford working with homeless people and people with you know, addictions and things like that. And um, it was set up by Philippa Stroud, who a number of people know. She started it up when there was a woman in the church who was addicted to some, I think it was sleeping pills and other drugs. So Philippa said, come and live in my room for a while and I'll pray for you and we'll detox you from these drugs. So Philippa prayed for the woman. God amazingly met with her and set her free and her withdrawal symptoms stopped. Her. She, you know, she was prayed for and she she detoxed. And from that, there was a, a growing need. So there's a project that was set up and I moved in right at the start of that project to uh, you know, to the house it was in. And I can tell you this Honestly, it was a shambles, okay? And I can tell you, me, a spotty 20-year-old or whatever I was, had no idea what to do with big, scary heroin addicts who were coming into the house. I didn't have a clue. I was absolutely out of my depth for two years. Absolutely didn't know what to do at all. Um, the people coming to the house used to call it the Ponderosa because it's run by cowboys. That was the uh, that was the joke among the homeless community in Bedford, and we didn't have a clue. Uh, but God was amazingly faithful. I saw amazing things that God did during those two years, and God faithfully blessed it. Okay, from there, from this beginning of a few young people who didn't know what they were doing working for a few years people started to take notice from that all of a sudden they started getting people like bishops coming to look at what was going on in this house and then MPs started coming and councillors and then cabinet ministers and I think for a while they had this you know number of cabinet ministers coming to look at what was going on in this little house up a side street in Bedford um in a you know, remarkable, you know, the, the amount of attention that was being given to this very, very small thing that started so weakly. Okay, Philippus since then has gone on to become the director of the, um, I always get this wrong, Centre for Social Justice, I think it is, a, a think tank which helps to advise the government on policy. So Philippus has gone from one woman in her bedroom, detoxing at one woman, to advising the government. That's amazing, isn't it? God loves to use small things, weak things, and God can promote tiny, weak things much more than makes any sense to us. Okay, It's amazing what God loves to do. Project Gateway um, was a project in Peter Maritzburg in South Africa, and it was, it was part of a church that was part of New Frontiers. They're not part of New Frontiers anymore, but it was a, it was a, thing that started off in the 90s, just caring for AIDS orphans in South Africa. Okay. And it grew and it, it, you know, it, um, after a while, there was an empty prison in Peter Maritzburg. They said, you can use this prison if you want for this project. So, so just a bunch of people who loved Jesus just cared for orphans in, in the city. That, that's all they were doing. And then amazingly, 
the government start noticing it. And, and one day, um, one of the, you know, so they got local government people coming to look at it saying, this is great. And then they got one of the ruling party in South Africa, you know, a minister come to look at it. And he said, this is amazing. I'm going to go away from here. I'm going to take the lessons from what I've seen here, the, the best practice I've seen here, the, the compassion that you're showing. And I'm going to feed that into what South Africa does. We're going to change South African policy on the way we care for people because of what I've seen here. Okay, And he said, you need to know this. What, what we do in South Africa, the rest of Africa will look to. So you need to know what you've done here will have some effect on the continent of Africa. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? God loves to do that. God loves to get tiny, insignificant things and do something way beyond what we can imagine through it. Jesus told a couple of stories. Um, Matthew chapter 13, he's talking about the kingdom of God. And he says this, um, he told them, it says this, he told them another parable. Um, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. That's the smallest of all your seeds. Yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air um, come and perch in its branches told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Okay, what's the kingdom of God like? Well, it's, it's like a tiny, tiny thing that can have a massive, massive effect. Okay, Jesus said that's what it's like. Okay, um, mustard seeds, I don't know if we, there's a picture, if you can click on, um, you can hardly see it there. Mustard seeds are tiny, they're one millimetre across. Okay, and they grow into that massive thing there's the, the man pointing to. That's a mustard seed plant that he's pointing to. And they grow so fast and so powerfully that they're, and they're considered a biohazard, like, was it Japanese knotweed sort of thing? Okay, they grow unstoppably. They're tiny, but they can just spread really, really fast. The, the Israeli army, one of the things they get the Israeli army doing is chopping down this mustard seed stuff because it just grows so quickly. It's unstoppable. Once it's in the ground, it grows. Okay, um, Yeast is a single-cell organism. It's tiny, tiny, tiny. had these funny Greek letters after it saying it's 0.4 squiggle uh, <laughs> wide. They're, they're tiny. You can't see what yeast is like. Okay, but if you drop it into a bit of dough or some jam or whatever, it it multiplies and it spreads and it multiplies and it multiplies and it's unstoppable. Once it's in, it can't be stopped. God loves to use tiny, almost invisible stuff to grow something massive. That's what God's kingdom is like. God loves to use things that are weak, inconsequential, tiny without the right skills, without the right resources to do something amazing. That's the way God works. Okay. And I just want to encourage people, this isn't just the, me talking to Rob, this isn't just for church leaders, this is something for the whole church. In fact, God, you know, through the ages, there have been a few church leaders, but mainly the church has been made up of not leaders. Okay. And the people God mainly uses are not leaders. Okay, they're the people no one ever gets to hear about, but they've done something for God's kingdom. And um just want to tell a few more stories. Okay, we've got a woman who used to be in our church, um, 
called Lucy. And um, she had a, a Sikh neighbour and she just um, who was blind, a woman who's blind. So she just, like, like anyone would, said, shall I take you shopping? Do you want to come shopping with me? Can I get you anything? We'd all do that with our neighbours. And built up a friendship with this blind Sikh woman over a few years. And then one, uh, you know, came to one of the festivals at the Gurdwara. So uh, Lucy said, do you want a lift to Gurdwara? So she went, took her to the temple, went in with her and ate some food in the temple and things. And, and while she was there, lots of people, lots of Sikh women kept coming up to her saying, you're the white mother who takes care of Sikh women. Wow. Just, and the, she'd done a tiny thing but the news of it had spread right through the Sikh community in Handsworth. Everyone had heard of her. Everyone had heard of what she was doing. It was a tiny thing, but it spread. That's what God's kingdom's like. Okay. Um, Louise had a friend called Jenny who um, lived in Brighton. She moved into, felt God speaking to her about moving into one of the horrible estates in Brighton. So she, uh, Whitehawk, if anyone knows Brighton at all. So she moved into this very horrible council estate or ex-council estate. And Loads of children would just run through a garden and, you know, you know, she'd plant some flowers. Kids would run through, run across the flowers and trample them, play in the garden. She'd look out a window, the children in her front garden playing. And probably at some point she thought, get out of my garden. But instead of saying, get out of my garden, she bought some toys and just put some toys out in her garden. And then gradually, loads and loads and loads of children from this state came and started playing in her garden. And then she thought, we'll have a barbecue for the parents. So she said, go and tell your mums and dads we're having a barbecue. And she got all her neighbours round. And in a state where loads of houses got vandalised, windows smashed, burgled all the time, hers was never touched. And, and, and she just had an open house full of people not because she was a brilliant leader, but just because she'd bought a toy instead of shouting at someone and she'd uh, done a barbecue. That, that was all she did. And from there, just opened up the community. Okay, it, it takes a tiny thing to build God's kingdom. In fact, God loves using tiny, inconsequential things to build his kingdom. Has anyone ever heard of Edward Kimball at all? Um, Edward Kimball was a Sunday school teacher in um, Chicago in the um, 1800s and he went into a shoe shop he got a hole in his shoe went into a shoe shop to get his shoe fixed and there's a really really grumpy um, junior worker in this shoe shop and so he, you know just something in him clicked and he thought I've got to tell this obnoxious horrible boy <laughs> that God loves him so he went through to the stock room and he got this boy and he said, I just want to tell you that Jesus really loves you. And this hardened boy, who he said was one of the people furthest from God that he'd ever met in his life, started crying and came to faith. Okay, his name was D.L. Moody. Okay, D.L. Moody went on to preach without radio or television, went on in his lifetime to preach to 100 million people. Okay, set up the Moody Bible Institute that currently has 40,000 missionaries around the world at the moment. It's amazing. Behind every big exciting story you get to hear of, there's a little bit of mustard seed. There's a little bit of yeast being rubbed in. And that's what God's kingdom's like. Okay, now I know that this church isn't going to be this big for long. Okay, I know this church will grow and outgrow this building. 
Well, I really believe that. I think God's hand is on you. Okay. But while you're at this stage, don't forget God wants to use you. Okay. And it's counting for a big thing that God's doing across the city, across the nation, across the world. Okay. God's got amazing plans. And actually at the moment, you're easier for God to use than when you become big and powerful and self-financing and rich and things. God loves to use churches at this stage. Okay. It's God's pleasure to use you now. Okay. And not just leaders. It's God's pleasure to use the least visible people for his kingdom, the, the tiniest bit of mustard seed. Okay. The tiniest bit of yeast. There's a story in, um, I'm sure many of us will know, um, in the Old Testament where the Israelites were taken into captivity in Babylon. And then after a few generations, some of them got to go back and rebuild Jerusalem. So they return, you know, Ezra, Nehemiah, people like that, um, Zechariah. And they return and they're, they're re, you know, they're, they're financed to go back and start rebuilding. So they come back and they start rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem and the temple. And they work really hard. They work really, really hard. And you know the story, some of their enemies around them say, yeah, that wall's going to keep us out. You know, you can step over it. Yeah, easily. Yeah, are we meant to be scared of that? And after starting really well, they come to a point where they've worked so hard and they've got this high. And they lose heart and they stop building for a while. And then Zechariah the prophet comes and he prophesies over the leaders at the time. There's a man called Zerubbabel, there are others. And he has this vision from God and it's this bowl with seven eyes on it. Uh, okay, um, Ask Rob, he's more prophetic than I am, probably sees that thing all the time. But Zechariah doesn't know what it, is, what it is. He says, what is this? And and God speaks to him and says, this is the seven eyes of God. God's eyes are on you is what this message is. Okay, And he says, do not despise the day of small things. Okay, because God's eyes are on you. Okay, God's eyes are on Jubilee Church, Solihull. You're not going to be this size for long. God is has planned to to bless you and to grow you. I really believe that. But there's a there are different seasons and each season there's different challenges, okay? And there are different blessings. The blessing at the moment is you're small enough for God to use. Okay? As you grow, actually it can become harder for God to use you in a way because you're self-sufficient more. Don't ever lose the the weakness. Okay. But at the moment, you're perfect for God's ears. And I just felt very strongly God's eyes are on you at the moment. Okay. God's looking. God's eyes are on you. Elsewhere it says, God, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Well, when we're small and we're weak, we've got nowhere else to turn really. So we're fully committed to God. Okay. God's eyes are on you. Okay. God's plans are to bless you. I really believe that. God's got faith to give to small, hidden, inconsequential people. This is mainly a message not for the leaders, actually. Okay. Um, for the, for the little bits of yeast, for the little bits of mustard seed. Okay. God wants to rub you into your community. As he does that, he can do amazing things. Okay. There, there is no mathematical link between the, the smallness of what God can use and the bigness of what he can do. It's, got, it's a kingdom thing. Okay? And I just believe God's kingdom's among you. Okay? God's kingdom's here. 
in order to rub you into your community. Uh, Rob's talked about the sort of North Solihull area. I think God's going to rub you into that. Only needs some mustard seed, only needs some yeast to get rubbed in, and it's unstoppable. Okay, God's got plans for you. His eyes are on you. Okay, I just want to pray for you if that's all right. Father, I want to pray for this church to give birth to Edward Kimballs, who meet D.L. Moody's. Lord, I want to pray for encounters that um, the people here have with their friends, their neighbours, their workmates. Lord Jesus, I want to pray that you would just stir faith. I pray for a new faith to be put in people, for just being rubbed into their community, their their neighbourhood. Lord, I want to ask that you raise up people who will reach people, who will change people's lives. Lord, I want to pray for you know just each person here just to, to be stirred in faith, to be rubbed into their community. I pray, Lord, that you'd you'd give people a big picture of what you're doing, but also a faith for the small things. Lord, let let them know your eye on them. I pray. Father, I want to pray for people who maybe don't know why they're here, don't know what their role is or their job is. And I want to pray, Lord, that you just call them in. You, you'd, you know, just bring them in to what you're doing, Lord, into this amazing uh, mission that you're doing, this building of your kingdom, the coming of your kingdom. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd bring people, um, you know, just further in, Lord, people who've been around the edges thinking, what am I for? I pray, Lord, for a new faith for what they're doing. In Jesus' name.